The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, and I'm joined by Brian Scott Rippey of Super Talk Mississippi to answer all your Ole Miss questions. But before we get into it, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, It's the perfect car for me. But also, 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. And now, it's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Today's guest co-host is Brian Scott Rippey. You know Rippey from Super Talk. He covers Ole Miss for Super Talk, and he joins us now. Hey, buddy, what's up? How you doing? Doing well. Kind of getting back in the routine of things. Things kind of getting busy again, which is always good. I enjoyed like the time off, but after a while, it's kind of like you know you want some sort of routine. It was that uh, that's six weeks between what baseball and football. Like some ways it kind of flew by, and some ways it didn't at all. That makes any sense? No, it makes sense. It's now two weeks in a day until Ole Miss football kicks off. From a content perspective, like from us trying to get like our podcast and stuff going and really just writing stuff from camp, it still feels very much off-season-ish. It's just not much there. Not a ton there, but Ole Miss football has been practicing for now nine days. I think we know a little bit more today than we did on day one. I sure as hell hope so. What's your biggest takeaway right now from Ole Miss football fall camp? I knew they were going to be good at running back. I'm not sure I figured they'd be as deep as they are. And I know that it sounds silly because you had two guys that contributed heavily last year coming back. And then obviously you had Jerry and Ely into the mix. But I think the guy that's really, I guess, shifted my my thinking or my opinion on this is Snoop Connor, a guy that probably outside of the quarterbacks benefited more than any offensive player from coming in early and getting kind of kind of getting his feet wet and all that he's been really in the mix for carries and stuff and I I really do think they're going to give four guys a decent I I say decent amount I don't know how they'll divvy it up a decent amount of carries there which in an offense that's really predicated on 
the running back and using the running back and obviously quarterback too in different ways. I think that's going to real be be a real big help for them if the offensive line can block for them. So I think like so far, if you're talking about one position group or anything like that, I think just how deep they are at running back's been a little surprising to me. We talked at length about Snoop Connor on Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday's podcast. I'm a little bit ahead of schedule this week for Talk of Champions. It's my birthday coming up, so my brother and I, my twin brother, we're going to Atlanta like we do every year to watch the Braves. I fully expect them to lose. It's Dallas Keuchel and Steven Matz Wednesday night. That's what we'll be watching from the Delta Sky seats, but that's what I'm doing, so that's why getting out in front of it had Kermit Davis on Monday. Today it's a mailbag, and then I'm taking off. I'm getting out of here. Uh, I'm not even going to pay attention to football camp, nothing. But we talked at length about Snoop Connor and what that move has done, if you consider him probably the number two running back and Jaron Ely the number two B or three running back. Devon Penniman is being tried a little bit at tight end slash H-back, and that's interesting. Before his ACL injury, it looked like he was the future of the position, and now he could see some time, if not more significant time than he otherwise would, at a different position post-injury. They don't need him as a running back. He's got some talent. He can help you at a new position. I thought that was interesting. I did find that interesting too. And Luke, I guess we talked to him. Yeah, it would have been Monday. Could just kind of drop that in there very subtly. He was like, I don't know if you saw, uh, we moved Penniman over to tight end. And of course, everyone kind of looked at each other like, no, I don't think, I don't think anyone actually saw that. But it is interesting to me because uh, last week, I guess it was last Wednesday or it may have been last Friday. I, we were watching some of the very limited stuff we get to see as far as them doing stuff on offense. And one thing I've kind of noticed during camp is they've been doing a lot of two tight end stuff with Pellerin and Cooley on the field at the same time. Of course, Pellerin's been out for a little bit with a uh, concussion, but they, they, it looks like they at least want to try to do two, a lot of a decent bit of two tight end stuff. Part of that probably because they believe the offensive line is going to need that crutch and they feel very uncertain about that. Part of it, I think is just Rich Rod has always done that, or at least it to some degree. But then you look over on the other side of the field when they're doing the two tight end stuff. And the second team consisted of, I believe it was Alex Faneuil. Am I saying that right? And yeah, Jonathan sure. Hess. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, you have something here with Cooley and Pellerin. Like, I think if Pellerin's hands hold up, he could actually be a pretty decent mismatch in terms of the passing game. Cooley, big physical guy, going to help and has decent enough hands himself. But it's like after that, if you, one of those guys goes down, who's your de facto second tight end? Like, is it really going to be one of those two guys? Like, I don't think you're counting on Casey Kelly at this point. Like, so it made the move made sense because they have two pretty good talents at tight end. But after that, it's like, what, what do you do? Like, I mean, neither one of those kids, I don't think I've ever played a snap. I mean, what Hess was recruited as a D end and then immediately moved to linebacker. Or maybe I have that backwards. And then of course, like what Faneuil was originally like a quarterback, right? Yeah. So like they, they, they don't really have much after that. And so I think it's a smart move because worst comes to worse. If you're not, if you're healthy at tight end and you know, a running back or two goes down, you can always move back. I love the idea. I don't know if it's going to work in execution, but I love the idea. If he does somehow find a way to become competent at tight end, and not to say he's going to have some huge impact if he does stick there at tight end this year, but he's a junior. Jason Pellerin's gone after this year. Octavius Cooley's gone after this year. You already mentioned Alex Faneuil. Forgive me, I'm not all that confident that he could be a good productive tight end ever. Jonathan Hess, he's a complete lottery ticket at this point. They've got one tight end committed, not one that they expect to come in and play immediately. If they don't land Jeremiah Pegues, the tight end freak athlete from Oxford High, then what are you going to do? So if Devon Penniman can figure it out, that would be such a huge lift for them next year. Again, don't expect much out of him if he does stay there. I don't know if it's a permanent move yet. I think they're just seeing what he looks like. But if he were to stick there and start to flash a little bit, that could be a really sneaky, fun thing next year. And it would be a cool story and a cool final chapter for a guy that was only on the up and up, looked like a keen Judd back there the way he ran, looked like he had potentially a professional future to get it derailed by a knee injury, a nasty, gruesome knee injury against Texas A&M. I love the idea of it. I don't know if it's going to work, but I love the idea of it. And there's no risk, right? None it at sucks, all. It sucks. I, I, I like the idea, too. And I mean, if he, he catches – one of the things Rich Rod said – like about a week ago before they made the move to tight end is yeah, they had health concerns about blue Penniman and what he kind of looks like after that. And physically, but he's like, the guy has really good ball skills and he can get out of the backfield and catch pass out of the backfield. So you would think to some degree 
that would translate to tight end as far as the passing game. And I was trying to go down the roster when Luke, yeah, I was doing this last night when Luke said he made the move or whatever. I don't know who else you could even try. I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there. They got 85, 110 kids, whatever on the roster. I just couldn't think of a, of a, of a guy that would really fit that either. I can't either. The one thing that is a sticking point for me for Devon Penniman is I can't see it or visualize it in my brain, him running a seam route as a tight end. He looks stiff. Now, he could surprise me. He could go out there and be fluent and it'd just be a natural position to him. But for right now, I, I can't see it. So I'd love to watch how that progresses. They don't need him at running back. At best, right now, he's number four. He's likely number five. It goes Scotty Phillips, Snoop and Jerrion, and Isaiah Woolard. And it sucks because Devon Penniman, like I mentioned, was the next man up. He was going to lead the position. But it is what it is. It's what happens. It's what happens in college football. You get banged up. Sometimes you come back, you're back to normal. You're Jordan Wilkins. You rush for 1,000 yards. You get a cup of coffee with the Colts in the NFL. Other times you're Devon Penniman, and you're making a position change late in your career. But guess what? They've created a path for you to potentially get on the field and be a starter next year. The door is open again for Devon Penniman to have a professional future, and that's a great thing. That's an encouraging thing. You'd love to see that. Don't know if it sticks. Don't know if it's going to work, but at least he has that path now. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. You can check out his stuff on Super Talk as well as on the web. What's the website for Super Talk? Do you know? Supertalk.fm. Um, and I think we've got some changes coming to the website soon. So fired Ooh. up about that. Go nerds. Oh, nice. Nice little plug there. If you haven't already, yeah. subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. We're also available wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. It's mailbag time, and the mailbag is brought to you by Modern Woodman. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local Modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Let's open up the mailbag. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. A big group of questions in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. Me and Brian, we're going through all of them. Every single one. Haven't looked at them. Don't know if you asked about Ole Miss. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is done. If you ask me about Game of Thrones, I'm probably going to say something snarky. But whatever you had on your mind, you threw it to me on Twitter, at Spirit Ben. And here we are. We're going to answer every single one of them. First comes from RebelFan68, at RebelFan68. Popular numbers among Ole Miss quarterbacks is 10. Running backs, 22. Receivers, 1. Is it coincidence or purposely selected to prove themselves worthy of the number? I think it's more coincidence than anything, but I will put a little stock into number 1 for wide receivers. That has now become a thing. A.J. Brown, Laquan Treadwell, Jonathan Mingo. Laquan Treadwell made the number one into this wide receiver number. Once A.J. Brown took it over and then did Laquan one better, it became the wide receiver number, the next big thing at wide receiver number. Now, quarterback, Eli was number 10. Chad Kelly was number 10. But I don't really put Jordan Tiamu in that conversation. John Rice Plumley hadn't done anything yet. So number 10 of all three of these numbers doesn't do much for me. 22, it was Dexter, it was Deuce. Jordan Wilkins, a 1,000-yard rusher, one of only five in school history, maybe. I think those are more coincidental, whereas wide receiver, that has become a thing. 
I would agree with that. And like 10 and 22, like even if you take the old Miss part off of it, are just kind of very common quarterback and running back numbers too, right? Yeah. Like they're numbers that kind of look aesthetically pleasing and things like that. There's probably a little something to it with the uh, – with, 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 you know, it being a, you know, guys you've heard of before at Ole Miss, like these kids come in and probably know at least who some of these guys are and what numbers they wore. I'd probably put Tamu at least in that conversation some because he really kind of helped them out of what could have been a disastrous spot in 17. Sure. He was good enough. I'd like to see, but obviously not on the same level as he's in that second or third tier though. Absolutely. I always wonder what hit the last year of his career would look like if he had an offensive coordinator that could help oh, him score in the red zone. You yeah. know, I mean, he was fine and he had his shortcomings. Like I'm not going to act like he was hampered heavily by Longo, but I just kind of wanted to see what it looks like. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Scotty Phillips got 22 because that was the number available more than anything else. I don't <laughs> think that Scotty was clamoring for 22. I think that was just a sign to him, and he could have potentially changed it. Only a few guys truly get a say the minute they r- arrive on campus to what number they're going to be. Shea Hodge was desperate to wear number three. He was on this podcast and told the story after Kentrell Lockett busted him out years back here on Talk of Champions. He won a number three. They put 80 on him. He almost transferred out because he thought he still wasn't going to get three once it became available. Players, for the most part, when they first get on campus, don't get a say. Only the elite of elite recruits, the guys you promise in recruiting, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll get number one. Oh, yeah, 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 you'll get this or that. I don't think Scotty Phillips had all that much of a say. So for the most part, I think it's coincidental. Wide receivers, the number one has become a thing. There's a reason why Jonathan Mingo's wearing it. Rebel Fan 68, what three players from Ole Miss history would the Rebels like to have on the 2019 football roster? Well, Eli Manning or Archie or Chad. One of those three would be great. I'd probably put Patrick Willis at linebacker. So let's go Eli or Archie or Chad, Patrick Willis at middle linebacker. Then I'm going to take an offensive lineman, so Laramie Tunsil. That's easy for me. Yeah, honestly, though, for practicality's sake, just specifically with this team, I swear, I, I know you have a quarterback that's not really proven, but like – if I'm like the, if I'm Matt Luke right now, and you get three players like out of that. I think I might go Tunsil, Greg Little, and Patrick Willis. Just completely shore that up because like you kind of got your young guys in offense. Yes, would you like to have a Chad Kelly, Manning? Absolutely, like one of those wide receivers, probably. But like I don't know, I'd probably take two tackles and a linebacker and sleep a lot better at night going into this season. Wide receivers, you can get by with any collection of these wide receivers. Like Eli Manning would make Miles battle into an animal. Chad Kelly would make Miles battle into an animal. I'm not worried about the wide receivers performing. Elijah Moore would catch a thousand passes with Eli Manning. I, the quarterback would make the wide receiver. Tight end, I don't care. Ole Miss didn't have a tight end last year and still moved the ball. Dawson Knox was a hell of a tight end, but they just didn't give him the ball. So tight end, wide receiver, those are positions you can get by with. Offensive line, you're right. I'm taking at least one, but I'm not passing up the opportunity to add Patrick Willis at linebacker. I'm just not going to do it. Never. 100%. Yeah. And I want a quarterback because a great quarterback, a tenured quarterback, can make up for a lot of other things that are short on your roster, like wide receiver or depth at wide receiver, youth at the wide receiver, youth at the offensive line, whatever. A good quarterback can do a lot of different things, cover up a lot of different things, mask a lot of different things for your football team. Charles Allen at Buzz underscore songs. When this season is over, will the Braves toss back Rick Kranitz, the Braves pitching coach, like a Wrigley Field homer? I hope so. At some point, whenever guys come up, Fulte goes down to AAA, performs well, comes back up, he's bad again. He's gotten better. He's actually been much better as he's gotten back than he was when he went down. So not ready to write off Fulte. But your three pitching acquisitions at the deadline. Green was an all-star. His FIP was pretty high, so you knew he was doomed for some regression. He was not the sparkling sub-two ERA pitcher that he was pitching to. A lot of luck involved. He was lucky with batting average on balls in play. A bunch of different stuff. Chris Martin, he's a project that has had one good year. But at some point, when all of these different guys are regressing, once they come to Atlanta, once they get to the big league club, you got to turn the mirror on Rick Kranis. I don't know how much stock you put in a pitching coach, but for me, that's a problem. Not really related. Did you see what the Phillies did? I did. Charlie Manuel as the hitting coach is the most bizarre move of the baseball season so far. We were doing radio when that move was announced, and I was I looked at Richard and I was like, I really am not trying to be an ass. If you'd have asked yes or no, Charlie Manuel still alive, I would have had no clue because he was kind of old when they won those World Series, right? Yeah, yeah. It's such an undermining move to Gabe Kapler too. 
it, that is honestly, I've never, I didn't even really think about it from that perspective when I was reading that they did that, but that's honestly a really fair point too. And can you imagine being the guy get replaced by Charlie Manuel? Yeah. And then during the press conference, the GM was like, actually, we don't see this extending beyond 2019. This is a short term project. You were so bad that they hired a replacement just to finish out the season. It's a bizarre thing to do. They built their entire hitting strategy around the hitting coach that they just dismissed in favor of bringing back Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel is completely regressive when compared to the philosophies of Gabe Kapler and the new age analytics and trying to have a progressive modern front office. And yet here he is. He's the hitting coach. He's the It'd be like the Braves going out and hiring Bobby Cox to be the hitting coach to replace <laughs> Kevin Seitz. It's bizarre. It's the most bizarre thing in the world to me. I just don't get it. But yeah, Rick Kranitz needs to go. He's terrible, but the Braves are winning, and as long as they're winning, they're not going to make any changes. Look at what they've done with Brian Snicker. Tyler Keith, at Tyler K 82 what are you hearing on the Rebel Rags case? Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. I'm like, not really digging right up, now, but whatever. Yeah, we went back and forth on whether to, like, and I, I was not at the same place when it first started. I've been at like three different places since we debated back whether to like heavily cover or not. It's just, it, it doesn't, if something does come of it, great, but it, it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen or at least not happen anytime soon. And it's not going to have anything to do with Ole Miss at this point. It's a rebel rags case. So I don't know if I should be covering at this point. Now I talk to Terry pretty regularly, but as far as updates on the case, I have none. A few more from Tyler Keith. The first one, best Ole Miss sporting memory. Ooh, what, like, what, were we putting a time frame on this? I guess it's just your favorite memory ever. I mean, I imagine, right, that, that, like, the two, the two Alabama wins stick in most people's mind. Yeah, yeah. and that whole day was, just felt like a huge stepping stone forward for the program. 15 almost felt weirder in some sense, because it's like, 14, it was like, okay, this is a huge win, they're kind of stepping forward. And 15, it was like, are they really going in there and beating that team that badly in Brian Denny? Because you really don't ever see that. They felt like they were on even footing that year compared to 2014. It looks like they were slaying the giant and getting over the hump. I'll tell you my favorite personal memory, only because I shared it in the rain with my dad, with my brothers. It was back in 2001 when Eli rallied Ole Miss past Alabama 27-24. to Joe Gunn with the touchdown that was splattered across the front page of SEC Extra in the Daily Journal. That, for me, was just special. I had that up on my wall when I was in high school, and then I now have it in my office hanging up to this day. So that's just a pretty special thing for me. And another one, basketball, Chris Warren hitting the Kentucky shot, but Clarence Sanders beating LSU with the last-second shot in the corner. I was standing right behind him when he did it. Of course, advancing out of the Super to go to Omaha, that was a pretty cool thing, too. Yeah, and the whole Pertzok kit's probably the thing that sticks there because, like, what, they were up a run, I think, at that yep. point. Uh, and then he hits it down the line or whatever. And at that point, you're like, all right, this is about to act. This is actually about to happen. And that was surreal because it felt like that was never going to happen. And yet here they yeah, were. They, they were busting through the glass ceiling. They had a. I, I did a story on this a while back uh, at the beginning of this past baseball season. I was talking to Cliff Godwin, and they had, they had Chris Ellis up in the bullpen. And literally, as soon as that as soon as that hit got past the third baseman, they're like, "All right, sit him down." Yeah, yeah, put him down. You're not going to take any chances whatsoever until it's a final score. You feel comfortable. I don't think Ole Miss ever felt comfortable, but yeah, once that happened, sit his ass down. Tyler Keith, if Ole Miss beat Arkansas and then beat Florida in the SEC championship game, did they go on to win a national championship? I said at the end of that year, the way they were playing at the end of the year, I would have taken them against anyone. Had they won those two games, they would have gone to the playoff. And I don't think there was anybody that could have beaten them. They'd gotten in over Alabama. They beat Alabama. They'd have had a good shot. I think they'd have finished at worst as the runner-up. That might have been a national championship team. We'll get right back to Rippy, but first, I got to tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. The Ole Miss football season has arrived. It's here. And Grove Sharks tailgating can take care of all your game day needs. Locally owned and operated, Grove Sharks Tailgating specializes in tent rentals and setup packages that can accommodate parties and gatherings of all sizes. For more information, visit Grove Sharks Tailgating at groveSharks.com and like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks or contact owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. 
But what about the houses? They're custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. Get in with a Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. I think they would get in. Um, I don't even. I don't remember who they would have played in the, that title game, but they, that team in fifteen was playing really, really well at the end of the year. Yeah, but it didn't happen because fourth and twenty-five happened. That team beat Al- LSU, Auburn, Alabama, and Mississippi State, and didn't win the West. How you do that, Ole Miss, buddy? I think you know the answer <laughs> to that question. Last one from Tyler: If Valpo never happened, how far does Ole Miss go in the NCAA's that year? Elite eight. Uh, that's on you. I was three. Elite eight. That team was awesome. <laughs> that team was so good. <laughs> and Sue was a pro. Keith played overseas. He was a baller. Mike White, one of the best point guards to ever come through. Jozon Darby was a monster six man. Jason Smith was great. Raheem was coming into his own. That team was loaded up. And I think they were elite eight. They were that good. Valpo was the worst old Miss memory of my life. I was 10 years old. And I do not... Have any shame in saying I wept like a baby. I sobbed when it happened. Ten-year-old Ben did not take it well. Now, whatever. But then, oh my God, it was the worst thing ever. White underscore Flanos at mbullock 77 Thoughts on the party deck for the student section. I thought it was great. I thought it was creative. I thought it was smart. Gave the students a chance to go somewhere and get out of that heat. As long as you're lax on the alcohol in the student section, as long as you turn the other cheek to the flasks, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I would agree with this too. And of course, when you put an idea like that out on something that's already been bad, you're probably going to get crushed for it on the internet where you know everyone makes 200 different variations of the same unoriginal joke. If you can't put a whole thing covering the whole student section, then I like this idea. I, at least they, it's them doing something, right? Yes. Because the first two, three years of the student section, it's like you got to do something. And so that's a positive step forward. I, I think that's a good idea. If they can add anything else to it, they probably should, but smart move by them. I liked it. Um, I think it's going to be something that's ever evolving you give shade to the students but again you have to turn the other cheek when you see the alcohol you have to let it happen just let it happen let them get drunk let them drink if you let them drink the party decks will serve the purpose that you want them to serve if that makes sense sean lofton how good is dak without zeke in good old line 30 million good no no Dak is asking for $40 million a year. Now he's asking that as negotiating leverage to get to Russell Wilson's $35 million a year number. That's still too high for Dak Prescott. Zeke can demand whatever he wants. Amari's going to be one of the top paid wide receivers in the NFL, but I'm pro player. He should ask that. He's not going to ask for a team-friendly deal when he's playing on a cheap, cheap, dirt-cheap deal as a late-round pick. So he should ask for that. I don't fault him there. And he has done something for the Cowboys that they haven't done in quite some time. He gets them to the playoff, and he's won in the playoffs. But as a quarterback, I mean, how would you value him? The problem the Cowboys have is they allowed the Eagles to set the market with Carson Wentz and then let Russell Wilson get his deal and on and on down the line to where they've backed themselves into this corner. This is what the Cowboys do. And so now Jerry's going to make a terrible deal. And he's going to sign Dak for a nuts amount of money. It's going to flame out and be terrible. And he's going to miss out on Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know. I don't know. I, you pay Dak because you got to. You backed yourself into this corner. But $40 million, no. No shot in hell. What's more interesting to me about this whole Dak thing, and I agree with all that, is yes, he should ask for $40 million. Is he worth even close to $40 million? Of course not. And it's an interesting concept because obviously you know 30 nfl or 31 nfl teams if you got a quarterback you got a chance but dallas has really built that entire team not team offense around like what zeke does yeah and so it's an interesting question who they value more as far as the quarterback thing where does this stop because the data shows that the most successful teams are the ones that are paying their quarterbacks and what the 20 to 25 million dollar range no the best organizations are drafting their quarterbacks into teams that are built to win, like with Russell That's Wilson in the on Seahawks. Deals. So you win. The window is winning when those quarterbacks are good and on rookie deals. It's two types, right? It's that 
particularly or it's now Brady's a little unique in Foxborough because his wife makes so much money on that. But like Big Ben, Drew Brees, stuff like that is kind of the other way you win. But where does this where do teams figure out this is tough because values of different and quarterbacks always going to be the highest value. But even its value in terms of dollars sometimes fluctuates. Like where does this stop? Because I can't just picture a world where a quarterback gets 50 or 60 million dollars a year a decade from now. Like at some point in there too borderline-ish quarterbacks like Dak Prescott where the teams like actually know and they pass on him and the market kind of evens out a little bit? That's the interesting conversation to have because being pro player, I want all the money in the pockets of the players. I don't care about the owners. And don't let owners tell you they don't have the money they do. They have the money. They can pay. I know there's a salary cap and you got to protect. I get it. But they can pay. So the question becomes, is your quarterback worth the money to pay him what he's going to demand and what he should demand as a starter in the NFL, one that has produced like Dak. Dak, I would never pay him $35 million. To be honest with you, I'm going to sound like an old Miss Homer. Mississippi State fans are going to go, oh, he's legit. Here's spirit being I fully contend if Chad Kelly wasn't a screw up and could keep his nose clean on that crappy little deal he's on, he could produce in Dallas's offense as the quarterback. It's never been about talent. With Chad, it's just simply about an organization going all in on him, and Chad not getting into trouble. He was the next man up in Denver. He was going to be their quarterback. That was happening. And then Chad goes and does what? He gets drunk, messed up, and he breaks into someone's house dressed as Woody from Toy Story. So if Chad could stay healthy, he could be a quarterback that produces. So if I value Chad and what he can be, or pick any quarterback like that that you believe has some talent like that, and I compare him to Dak, is Dak then worth... $35 $35 million to a peanuts deal for Chad Kelly. What's the separation? I don't think it's all that much. The difference is that Dak fell into a perfect opportunity. He was never supposed to play, not for at least one or two years. He fell into that, and he did produce. But he's also fallen short a lot. So how do you value that? How do you shrink that divide to make it make sense financially? Yeah, it's an interesting point because there's the Cowboys really stuck in a rock, but in a, I don't know, even know what I'm saying. In between a rock and a hard place. There you go. Saying, yeah, <laughs> finally came out. But I, I would, I would agree with most of that. It's just, it's tough because it's like he's produced for you at this point, but it's probably mostly because he fell in the right situation. I do think Dak does a lot of things well. Yeah, I just, I, I, where do you cut the line? Like, what's the number you cut off, cut it yeah. off at if you're Jerry Jones? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's the Cowboys' fault they backed themselves into this corner. So whatever. Chris Muller at Rebel Inc. Any news on fall baseball scrimmages? A number, including SEC teams, have been announced. Nothing yet. Yeah, it's August, man. Those baseball scrimmages probably won't hear much of anything until, I assume, early September. That's, I think, when it came out last year. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, it feels like a monthish before beginning of September, first, second yeah. week of September, you'll start, you'll start hearing more stuff about what they're going to do and if they're going to bring in the two games that are scrimmages or whatever they call them that you're allowed to play. So probably about a month off. Corey at Pontotoc underscore Rebel, can Matt Luke lead Ole Miss to the highs of the high era, Hugh era, I'm guessing is what you meant, without blatantly cheating? First off, can we stop the narrative that Hugh Freeze was blatantly cheating? There were $16,000 total in inducements in those two NOAs, one of which was not paid to Leo Lewis by Hugh Freeze. And Leo Lewis took the money, but he also took money from State and from LSU. The NCAA selectively punished Ole Miss based on that. They also valued hotel stays, and they put a price on Laramie Tunsil sleeping on Chris Kiffin's couch. If that to you is blatantly cheating, then my God, let me point you to different things at Alabama and Georgia and Florida all across the board. It's absurd. The blatantly cheating stuff. Stop calling it cheating. It's dumb to call it cheating. It's not cheating. It's doing what you should be doing. It's doing what everyone else is doing. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Ole Miss was not out there dropping bags and bags and bags of cash at the feet of prospects, dropping 100 Gs to go sign A.J. Brown. That's absurd. Not being critical of you, Corey, so much as the narrative is just, stop. But can Matt Luke carry it? I don't know. I don't know if he can ever get to that point. We don't know what Matt Luke is yet, and that's what we're going to learn this year. It wasn't his yeah, staff in the interim year. He just was trying to keep old Miss's head above water. Last year, still wasn't his coordinators. Now everything has Matt Luke's hands on it. There are no more excuses. So the results will be laid at Matt Luke's feet. If they win, it's Matt Luke. If they lose, it's Matt Luke. There are no excuses anymore. 
It's his recruits. It's his coaches. All him. We didn't know what Hugh Freeze was his first year, right? We had no clue. All I know of Matt Luke right now is that when given the opportunity, playing for nothing last year, he took no chances. If he's going to be David Cutcliffe, well, this year we'll find that out. As far as being conservative and how he calls play, I don't know. I don't know what he can be. We don't know what he is. I'm not going to keep you away from Rippy too long. Real quick, let me tell you about the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50, while it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Yeah, I mean, most of history probably tells you no, but then again, Hugh Freeze kind of changed the way people thought around here. I agree with the cheating part. Hugh Freeze didn't like blat- – Hugh Freeze didn't – like the, the the big like internet narrative is right. Like everyone speeds, but old Miss got caught go to 100. No, not no. really. They were just speeding like everyone else chucking beer cans out the window and being like everybody look at me. There was no la- degree – there were no degrees of separation I mean, if you if in a world where everyone's cheating, if you're the enforcement agency, aren't you going to pick off the biggest asshole? I mean, isn't that what that comes down to? <laughs> or you're I, picking I mean, off I'm, the I'm, easiest target. Yeah, exactly. The easiest target, the one that makes you the most mad. Like, so there's a little bit of that there. So, I don't know. I agree with what you're saying about Mad Luke too. Like he, look, he knows how. I'll give I'll give him this. He knows how to how to hire competent people. Yeah. Honestly, he knows how to do that way better than his predecessor. Hugh Freeze but, always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't think Matt Luke will ever have the lows of Hugh Freeze, but the lows of Hugh Freeze was getting caught in massage parlor. So let's not pretend like Matt Luke can come anywhere close to those lows. Yeah, I, I don't envision that happening. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting point, though. Like they were playing for absolutely nothing last year, and what he kicked a field goal on fourth and one in Vanderbilt's territory. Like stuff like that. It's like I don't get that's it. probably not the best sign. So yeah. but then again, he's two years into being a head coach. You can evolve as a head coach. Does that change two years from now? I it's so hard, it's impossible to answer this question. Um I will say he's on the right track. There feels like there's a lot more stability than you thought. This was yeah. supposed to be the bottoming out year. And granted, th- things could go very badly and that could end up being the case. I would say there's a better chance that's not the case with the way things are going. So he already has more stability than I think most people thought the program would have by twenty nineteen. So who knows? At Murph Surf Murph, who do you see in the MLB playoffs this year? Well, the Braves, the Cubs, obviously the Dodgers, Yankees, Indians and Twins, Astros, and for the wild card in the NL, Washington and the Brewers. I'm still going to believe in the Brewers, and I think Washington wins that one game. Wild card. I think the Twins are beating Twins or Indians are beating whoever they get in the wild card game. Because I, I don't think Oakland is better than the Twins, but it's a one game, so maybe they do. But yeah, I think it's those teams. No, there's really nothing to disagree on there. Like you could maybe make an argument for the Cardinals, though. I think that's eventually going to fizzle out. They're not that talented. Could the Phillies get hot? Sure. The Mets have really kind of made this interesting. What's interesting to me is really on the it's both wild card races, but it's what's on the other side because between the Rays and the A's, one really good team is getting left out of the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, that's a really good point. The Rays are really good, and they might not even come close. They're not going to win their division. At Murph Surf Murph, who do you listen to on long drives? In this case, to Atlanta. I listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to MLB Network a little bit, but music-wise, well, on my last drive... Oh, I was listening to Genuine because I'm a early 2000s, late 90s kid. Some Craig David. It depends on my mood. You've ridden with me. I listen to everything. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way music-wise. I do listen to podcasts, though. As far as like podcasts, I actually listen to a lot of Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo. Mine changes too. a decent bit. Yeah. I like the part of my take and all that. Mine's a pretty decent rotation. 
but yeah, I, I, as far as sports contests, I like Bill Simmons. I like Ryan Russillo. Uh, whenever SVP's on one, I try to listen and part of my take. That's about it. Yeah, I like part of my take. That's my favorite podcast. That's one of the ones that I'm absolutely devoted to. If I'm really wanting to listen to sports talk, I've been listening to Dan Patrick since I was driving to New Albany High School to go to high school at 7 in the morning with the big show with him and Keith Olbermann. So I'm going to listen to Dan Patrick uh, if I ever really want a sports fix or any Bill Simmons uh, love pardon my take, but music. Well, I, I tell you, I actually know exactly what I was listening to last time I was in the car. I was in the van. My daughter, who's now six, about to turn seven, loves Post Malone. So we listen to Post Malone. She also loves that new Katy Perry song that is terrible. So yeah, she knows all that new poppy stuff, but I introduced her to Mac Miller. Obviously edited. I don't listen. let her listen to bad words, but Mac Miller's my dude. So I let her listen to Mac Miller, Post Malone, stuff like that. And that's my whole lane. But I like to listen to anything, man. We sing Michael Bolton in my car, okay? We do it all. Led Zeppelin. She knows the name of every single member of Led Zeppelin, CCR. We listen to all kinds of different music. I, I jam out, man. That's what my daughter told her teacher, too, when um, I was going to pick her up the other day. The car person opens the door. She said, well, Gracie walked up to me and said, oh, my daddy's here. Oh, your daddy? Yeah, we jam out. It's the truth. We jam. You're not impressed. I know that is impressive. I just don't have a kid to be like, yeah, me and my kid do this. <laughs> I forgot you. I always forget you're just so much younger. At Murph Surf Murph, are you listening to any books slash podcasts lately? Kind of covered that, but books-wise, yes, I am actually listening to uh, the Harry Potter books on tape right now. Well, not on tape. I'm listening to the audio books of Harry Potter. Murph to Surf that surfs, same guy. So that possible 2020 reclassification player is going to be able to reclassify, correct? That's the plan. That's still the plan. If you listen to Kermit Davis... On the podcast on Monday, pretty much said, it's going to happen. At true rebel underscore 99. Let's put a scenario together. Chucky Mullins misses that tackle. Oof. Doesn't get paralyzed. Ugh. Would he go on to play in the NFL? I don't know enough about Chucky Mullins as a player to know if he would go on to play in the NFL. If so, does he have a great career? I, I don't know. I don't know really all that much about what he was as a player. You got to remember, that was way before my time. And if it was before my time, it was certainly before Rippy's time. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I, I, I couldn't even begin to answer that one. Uh, I don't know about that. Jamez at Humawicha1422. I think I nailed that. Rank Dan Wolken, <laughs> Steve Robertson, Bo Bounds, Matt Wyatt. Credibility, rank them. Not to cop out. I don't know enough about like nine. I, I don't know enough about literally every person on that list to answer. Like, I think Walkage stick has kind of been very much revealed at this point. So and if you want to put him out. on the bottom, that's yeah. fine. But he's also reported on some other things that have been fine. Wyatt and Bounds are radio guys, or so they really much in the big breaking news thing. I yeah. really don't feel like getting into the book thing again. So, yeah, there, somewhere in that order. I like Matt Wyatt a lot as a person. Me and him are cool. Bo can kick rocks. Steve, kick rocks. Dan, just whatever. I like Matt, so I guess I would go with Matt because I like him personally. None of them I take seriously. They're all dorks, <laughs> except for Matt. Matt's not a dork, but the rest of them are douchebags. Why would I care? They're douche canoes. Who cares? <laughs> I, just, I, I don't. I, I, I genuinely, I, I've never met any one of these people, much less listened to or listened to or read. I mean, I've read a couple of things Walken's written because he's done some reporting on some different stuff. But aside from that, I, I, I don't know much about any of these people's work, to be completely honest. I mean, if you made me make the choice, you have to spend every day of your working life, nine to five, working with and in conjunction with Dan Walken, Steve Robertson, and Bo Bounds, or kill yourself. I would say goodbye to this cruel world. Oh, jeez, dude. Golly. Jamez with one more. What are the X's and O's difference between Phil Longo and Rich Rod? What are the different quarterback reads? How will they attack man coverage in the passing game? That's a great question. We don't get to see enough of practice to be able to break that down as well as you'd want us to. But I will say the biggest difference is the reliance and the focus on a run variation of the spread. A lot of outside zone is what you saw with Phil Longo, but more in this offense is about misdirection. So you're going to see sweeps. You're going to see running backs lined up in the slot, and they could get the ball. It's not about chasing grass. It's not about going to the line with one play and four attachments and making the decision at the line of scrimmage. It's not the offensive line blocking for pass and run plays on every single play. Under Rich Rod, it's more specific, and the offensive line has calls, 
The running backs have calls. Quarterbacks, it's, it's different that way. It's far more structured. And you've heard that across the board from players and coaches. There's much more structure to this offense. That can only be a benefit for an offense that returns the fewest starters in the SEC. You need that. You need for guys to understand this is my responsibility when I go to the line of scrimmage. And they run routes. And they run routes. <laughs> they actually run a route tree. DK Metcalf didn't even run a route tree. He got to the yeah. combine and there was this concern that they were going to put him through all the routes and he wouldn't know how to do them. He did do them, but that was because of his own work. It's not like in Jacob Peeler. Jacob Peeler's a hell of a coach. But Phil Longo didn't have him running particular routes. He was running goes or hitches. If he wasn't running a hitch, he was going deep. Jacob gives him the full route tree. But when your offensive coordinator is telling you, this is what we do, it's just, oh, God. I liked Phil Longo a lot as a person, but, man, he was just not a good fit. He just wasn't. Andrew at BoomHower38, give me a catch total on tight end Jason Pellerin. Does he split time or does he start? I think split time's about right right now. If it was up to Matt Luke and company, Octavius Cooley would be at his very best. He would be the starter. But if I had to put a catch total on Jason Pellerin, 12 sounds about right. I might go a little higher than that just based on some of the stuff that Rich Rod and Matt Luke have said at fall camp where every time they mention Cooley and the skill set, not that he can't catch passes. I think he showed at least enough of that last year as underutilized as the tight ends were. I think they really see him. I'm not going to go full on blocking tight end, though. I see. I think they see Cooley as more of a help as a physical guy in the run game, and they see Pellerin more as a guy that could actually be a mismatch in the passing game. So I might go 15 to 17, maybe a little higher. Shaggy, at UPS underscore Shaggy, why wasn't Jadavion Clowney ejected for targeting? I didn't see the play. I think he's talking about the Michigan hit. Oh, the Michigan hit. By that book, it wasn't targeting. Right. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, so that's why. John Macon Gillespie, at S-E-S. Is Ronald Acuna Jr. the king of the universe if I ever have a son? And it's not looking like that's ever going to happen. His name would be Ronald. You could mandate that one of your daughters has to date a dude named Ronald, and Ronald's not really a common name amongst kids nowadays. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. If my daughters dated a Ronald, it wouldn't be Ronald Acuna. They would just be dating some tech nerd named Ronald. But at least you could have a son-in-law named Ronald if you don't have a son named Ronald. Yeah, but then I'm going to have Colin Brister walk into my house. Hey, sir, it's Ronald. No. (laughs) No. Blake McMinn, at Blake underscore McMinn. How is bite the nuts and thumb up the ass drill working out? Is it improving the O-line play any? We call the receivers NWO. Should we come up with a name for the O-linemen like nutcrackers or ball bashers? I love ball bashers. It's a technique in offensive line play. It's a crude expression of that technique, but that technique itself is not a new concept. That's something that's been in football for quite some time. Rich Rod just has a colorful way of describing it. I'm honestly a little a little upset about this too because I was out at practice that day just sweating my ass off sitting on that field. And I was standing by the d- defense at that point doing their pursuit drills because we haven't seen a whole lot of the defense, and that's really the one drill where you can kind of see – even though you're not really can tell much at this point, what kind of the depth chart looks like. And so I missed this entire thing. I didn't see it until maybe I think Neil or someone put a video up of it online and it started making its way around the internet. And I was like, I, I missed all of that. That entire thing I missed. I, 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 I hate that too. Cause it sounded pretty funny. You're a bad reporter. Yeah, I know. I'm over there frightened down. Who's the first and second team. And I missed the most colorful language of fall camp. You're always going to be you. That's the best. There will never be another Brian Scott Rippey. There will only well, be I'm you. sitting there. I'm like, these dudes are doing just these random drills on the side. The defense is out there. I'll go wander over this, and apparently I just missed the show. I haven't missed not being out there every single day. It's so hot. I can't imagine standing there. But Monday I really was the would hottest like practice I've ever been around, yeah. bar none. Yeah. We were standing on the turf for part of it. I've never had sweat just like stream down my face that heavily. It was crazy. Yeah, hard pass. Jamez again. Ely getting passed by Snoop, something to that. If you listen to the podcast with David Johnson on Monday, a lot of it has to do with Snoop's been here since the spring. There's a benefit to that. Jerion's playing catch-up. It's okay to have a lot of good players. If Snoop Connor's playing great and pushing Jerion Ely and pushing Scotty Phillips, good, right? You you want good players. They're both going to play and play a lot. And Jerion's going to have his time to make up ground. Snoop's been here since January. Good for him. Tyler Slay, is Chad Kelly starting week one for the Colts? No, he's suspended for the first two games. And Luis Rodriguez is a legitimate starter with a three. How did that happen? Development. It happens every year. Terrence Davis averaged just over one point per game in his first year. And then he was nearly an average double-double guy his sophomore year. Breakout player of the year in the SEC. 
Yeah, and if you're talking about the cliche that basketball, I mean, every coach at every sport loves to say this, particularly basketball and football, but if you're really talking about the he got stronger and reshaped his body type of thing, I think that would very much apply to, to Luis if you're looking for an example of that. And I looked at a picture that was sent to me of Carlos Curry, what he was when he got here to what he is now. It's incredible, the work that Riley Allen's doing in that strength and conditioning program. And Luis Rodriguez has been one of, if not the most devoted to strength and conditioning. It's development. It happens every year. Somebody that is a program player who played a limited role in his debut season, whatever, sticks to the plan, works his tail off, gets in the starting lineup, and performs and produces. It happens all the time. I think Luis Rodriguez is going to be great. I really do. Now, do I think he's going to be the starter at the three? He would be today if the season started today, but it didn't start today. And there are a lot of guys in that room that can go play. I think they're probably right now nine, ten deep. They could be end up getting to 11 or 12 deep by the time the season starts in November. But Luis has made a great impression. Don't ever forget that. Don't think because this is what he was last year, this is what he's always going to be. Brian Tyree, think about him. When was Brian Tyree an all-conference player before last year? He what? Guys develop. They get better. Like Blake Kinson is not going to be the same Blake Kinson next year. KJ Buffin, same thing. Rebel Fan 68, boy, he's just rocking our mailbag. What would old Mrs. Record be if AJ... DeMarcus Lodge, DK, Knox, Little were on Rodriguez's offense this year. Oh, seven and five. Before that answer from Rippy, got to break in. Tell you about BNA Bank, which powers talk of champions. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt, my buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, BNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171. 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters. And the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money is BNA Bank. So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 as we talked about earlier, yes, are you going to be better if A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Greg Little, I mean, not Little, um, Dawson Knox are on your football team? Sure. But in terms of what this team needs, does it make a huge difference? Because this team needs offensive linemen, they need defensive depth. And so would it make a huge difference? No, it would probably shorten your floor just by sheer off athleticism. Like a team with that's not going four and eight, three and nine. I don't necessarily think this team is too, but like in terms of just like skyrocketing your wins threshold, I'm not sure perimeter guys are, are what's going to do that. They like, if you told me Greg Little and Laramie Tunsil came back, I think that would change it a lot more. No, I think the point is, is effectively with those guys, you'd have the same offense as last year, personnel-wise. You don't have Jordan Tiamu, but Matt Corral, I think, can produce to that level. Not necessarily right now as a freshman, but what do you think Rich Rodriguez's impact is in comparison to Phil Longo? And if you think that he's a significant improvement over Phil Longo, then stands to reason then that that offense, that generational personnel they had at the skill positions, would pay off if you had them for this year under Rich Rod. So I think seven wins. Oh, I'm all for that. No, I think the better way to frame this question is what if Rich Rod's the offensive coordinator in 2018 of that team? Oh, God. Don't you think they might could have won eight games? I know that sounds insane to say. <sighs> Not with that defense, man. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, Is Mike McIntyre the defensive coordinator? <laughs> no, it's it's still McGriff. We can't then go that no, far. But, okay, we no, think about it. Think no. about it. Think about it, dude. The defense played well enough to win that A&M game. Okay. The offense lost that one. You probably find a way to beat Vanderbilt. So that's two they lose wins. to Arkansas if Arkansas's quarterback doesn't get injured. 
Yeah, I don't know. Mississippi State could have put up 70 or 80 points on that team had they wanted to. Yeah, a lot of leaky yardage. Yeah, so come on, man. No. McKenna <laughs> Werman at Werman underscore M. Why do some people think it's cool to not recycle? What is that about? They don't care about the earth, I guess. There are people out there that believe climate change isn't real. I don't know. I don't know why they think that's cool. It's really stupid. It's, people, it's really – it is interesting because I, I – and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. But like a, the vacation I took was I went and saw a buddy out in uh, Newport Beach, California um, this summer for a week at the end of July. He was uh, working for Lee Steinberg, who's the real-life Jerry Maguire. But anyway, we went out there. The house he was staying at had like two trash cans, even inside the house, like one for recycling, one for waste, and then like two outside. And they were like very strict about it. Like you don't ever see that in Mississippi. Never. I never throw out trash on the side of the road. I did that one time in college, and my buddy Josh Butler, who is the biggest hippie friend I got, made me stop my car. This is a true story. He's like, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. And I stopped. He got out, went and picked up the trash, got back in the car, and we left. And I went crazy on him. Then he went, who's in the wrong here? And I realized, oh, shit, that's me. I'm the one who screwed up. So not my hippie friend, Josh. No, it was me. I'm the screw up, not him. I don't know why people don't recycle. I don't know why people don't want to take care of the earth. I want my kids to not be walking around in hazmat suits when they're 55. Just take care of the earth. This isn't that complicated. John Mark Roberts, who is your all-time favorite Braves player? Chipper's not even close. Now, Ronnie is going to make a hell of a run at him. And for a while, it was Jason Hayward. I still got Jason's signed jersey on my wall. I have an unbridled love of David Ross. My brother met David Ross. He lived in Chicago for a while when David Ross was the backup catcher for the Cubs. And he met him when David Ross came in to eat at the restaurant he was working at. And my brother, like me, is a huge David Ross mark. And was like, hey, David, look, man, me and my brother, we love you, dude. <laughs> and for anybody to like wig out go nuts over David Ross. There's not many out there. Let's just put it that way. Not many David Ross homers out there, but yeah, man, David Ross was my dude. I hate Brooks Conrad. Uh, <laughs> hate Bob Wickman, Dan Kolb, Blaine Boyer, the Jones? lead destroyer. I got a lot of them. Andrew right? Jones. I love Andrew. I think it's a crime that Tyler Flowers is wearing his 25. Ryan Church wore his 25. Andrew Jones is the best defensive center fielder ever. In his prime, there was nobody better defensively in center field. And he had 50 home run seasons to his credit. He should be in the Hall of Fame, but his last few years, they were ugly. I get it. But he should certainly be in the Braves Hall of Fame. It's a crime. It's a shame. No one should wear 25. All right, sorry. Went on a tangent. John Mark Roberts again. Also, insert Patrick Willis. Oh, God. In pre-injury Tony Connor into this year's defense, how much does the outlook for the defense change? Uh, a lot. Oh, and pre-injury Tony Connor? <laughs> A, a lot? Yeah, no. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> Let me take two NFL superstars. Pre-injury Tony Connor would have been an NFL superstar. He's unbelievable. You talk about the, the you talk about a guy's like I mean, I hate to be like not to mean morbid's not the right word. I hate to I hate to bring up a depressing thing, but like dude, you talk about the harsh realities of sport and an injury changing some guy's life. That's example. I mean, that's a crystal clear yeah. example. It's example one. But you're giving me Patrick Willis who was every bit as good as Ray Lewis, and he didn't murder anyone. And <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> and Tony Connor, who was Ed Reed, yeah, it changed it a lot. The bottom line for this team is this. It doesn't matter, all these hypotheticals, all these, what if you had this, that. Matt Corral has to produce. If he doesn't, none of this matters. Nothing matters. So even if you had those dudes, if Matt Corral goes out there and shits the bed, it doesn't matter. Not any good. Is, is Connor in – this sounds crazy, I know, because of what he played in that last event, but wouldn't he fit okay? Is, is he big enough to play edge here? No, he wouldn't have been a good edge outside linebacker in a 3-4. Yeah, I, I, I just I, – that was – most of Connor was before I started covering football. I say most, not all of it, but I just – like I don't I couldn't remember his playing height and weight. He was Ed Reed. I guess I always remember him being bigger then. That was – I don't know. He was big. He was big, but he was fast, and – if you remember that Boise State game, he came downhill and just crushed people. That Derrick Henry cut that hurt his knee, one of the worst things. Outside of Tim Simon, when I heard Tim Simon's knee pop, that injury to Tony Connor was the most awful injury I've ever covered. All right, last few ones. What's your opinion, Cole Woods asked at Cole Miss 22? What's your opinion 
on grown men wearing jerseys. This isn't something that bothers me heavily, but I do think it's a little it's a little weird. But it almost sometimes depends on the sport. Like the liquored up blue collar guy at an NFL game wearing a jersey with his face painted, like that's just kind of that guy's stick. That is what it's he fun. is, right? Yeah. But so but some dude at a college game wearing, you know, a nineteen year old kid's jersey, that's eh, a little different. That's but different. again, whatever, man. Wear what you want, do what you want. I don't care. I think it's sport by sport, okay? Soccer, wear the jersey. Hockey, wear the jersey. Football is different. I have jerseys. I have a Jason Witten authentic jersey. I have a Roy Williams jersey, not the safety, not the wide receiver. I have an Emmett Smith jersey, but I collect them. I just like them. I just like to have them. But I never thought to myself, I'm going to a football game. Let me dress like the dudes on the field. You wear the colors. You wear like a pullover and a hat. Baseball. I don't mind if I've got a baseball jersey with my daughter and Gracie says, Daddy, let's get matching jerseys. Cool. I'll wear a pink jersey with Gracie. She loves pink. If she loves red, I'd wear a red jersey with her. I don't care. It's circumstantial, right? If you're just a single dude, middle-aged, wearing A.J. Brown's jersey, you're weird. <laughs> My favorite, an underrated one is the, the obviously basketball for an adult is very much not wear the jersey, but an underrated move. Can't ever rich, wear it in basketball. Never. But it's the it's the rich guy with the floor seats that wears it under like a nice button-down in jeans. That always <laughs> cracks me up. That's such a strange look. <laughs> it's all over the place in Golden State. You'll have that white dude, real thin, got the reader hipster glasses, got the hot fire girl beside him, and he's wearing the Steph Curry jersey with a blue long sleeve button down shirt. It doesn't make and dress slacks. Like what are you doing? No, that no. Basketball it's never okay. Ever. Never. You can never wear basketball jersey. You cannot pull that off. I'm not in shape by any stretch of the imagination. I cannot wear tank tops. Everyone across the board, you're pretty average, save for you dudes that work out really, really hard. And even you, you look skanky when you're wearing tank tops. That's what basketball jerseys are. So, no, you can't wear basketball jerseys ever. Never. Yeah, the baseball is cool. I took a tour for Dodger Stadium when I was out there a couple weeks ago, and there was a dude, like his kid, that couldn't have been older than like six years older. The dad's wearing an Oral Hershiser jersey. That's He's awesome. Got a Bellinger jersey on it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I have a Martin Prado jersey. It's okay. Now, I would only wear it if, again, Gracie was like, Daddy, Daddy, let's wear it. Okay. But I'm not going to wear one myself. But that's just my style. I'm like you. Wear whatever you want to wear unless it's basketball. If it's basketball and you're wearing a tank, you're the worst. Dan Rogers, at Dan underscore Rogers 234. Bold predictions for the Memphis opener. I don't know. I have no idea how that game's going to go. People, no I know people ask me that all the time. I don't have a clue. I have no idea. Nothing would surprise me. Here's a bold prediction. You ready? Scotty Phillips won't lead Ole Miss in rushing. It'll be one of Snoop Connor, Jerry on Ely. Okay, I like that one. One of those two guys on one of their limited carries breaks free for a long game. So they finish with like three, four carries for 69 yards. Nice. And Scotty is rushing, you know, 12 times for 62. Yeah, I'm trying to just think of one that would even be like somewhat indicative of the game. I don't know. Matt Corral sacked less than twice, three times, two times. He's going to get sacked. This offensive line is going to give up sacks. So what's an acceptable over under? Is it five? Oh, God, that's high. I mean, I, I was I was going to say two five. and a half. I'd set the line at two and a half. Yeah, I, I guess with the way things are, particularly now where he got, obviously, he's a bit more mobile. They do the moving pocket stuff. He gets it out of there quickly. I guess five's too high. Three or four. Here's one bold prediction defensively. Ole Miss returns a turnover for a touchdown. Okay, I like that. I like that. It's bold. It is bold. I don't know if I believe it, but it's bold. So, yeah, there's one. Last one. At Murph Surf Murph for Rippy. Since you believe in conspiracies, do you believe in ghosts? Oh, um, yeah, why not? I, I, I just, there's enough encounter. They're really, um, this is, God, that this is about to sound like a really naive question. Are there really that many crazy people in the world? Let me rephrase that. Are there really that many people that you would dub crazy that have been like, I've seen a ghost and they kind of all, not in some ways, like, the occurrences and the happenings are similar, much like aliens. That's basically what it comes down to. If aliens are real, aren't ghosts? Yes, I believe yeah. in ghosts. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. ghosts. Big, big ghost guy. Whenever somebody asks me, do you believe that aliens exist? My direct response every single time, are you so naive as to think that in the vast cosmos, it's infinity for all we know, and you really think we're the only living, breathing, talking, civilized organisms out there? 
Of course, I don't think there's another I Ben Garrett, but there might be. There might be another Ben Garrett out there. Hopefully, he's more successful. I mean, I don't if, know. You, if you run in, if you run into the Ben Garrett clone, or I run into my clone, do you walk up and hug him, or you just instinctively punch him in the face because you don't know what else to do? I tell him to get on a treadmill. Honestly, don't know what I'd do. I think I might ask him. I'd be like, hey, man, what are you about to do? Because I kind of want to punch you, but I also want to hug you. And then if he answers, great. If he doesn't, I'm probably punching him. I can't say it, but I know what you would do. Yeah, 100%. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, but on Twitter, he's Brian Scott Rippey. He works for Super Talk at BS Rippey on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Leave that five-star review. I don't care if you say the worst things about me. Just make it five stars. Also write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. Sounds good, dude. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code super 24.